Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cash That with myself. That's Joe Delera, And we don't have producer Corey today. He's pucking around at the Devil's Game. But we did have a really awesome interview with Matt Issa. Matt is a fellow student of the law. He is a writer. He writes for Basketball News, 137 PM and Rise Networks. And he's also got his own podcast out there. It's a mini series called The Quest for the Best. It's available on Apple and Spotify. Highly recommend it. I think it's a great pod. And it's really a cool exploration into the historical context of who is the best player in NBA history. So with that, uh, we're going to go, we're going to head right there, but I got to give out these picks right away. We've been on a heater and the two picks at the time of this recording are the Milwaukee Bucks minus two against the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Memphis Grizzlies minus two and a half against the San Antonio Spurs. And we're going to break that down in a little bit. But for now, let's go here from Matt. And I hope you enjoy this interview. Dan, I'll take him out of here. Book him. All right, everybody. This is Matt. Isa, Matt, it's a pleasure to have you on here. I know I've, uh, you know, I've been a fan of some of your work out there between your podcast and stuff, but let everybody know uh, what, where to find you and some of the more recent work you've done here. Hey, Joe, man. First, I want to say uh, thanks for having me on. It means a lot. And I also apologize. My voice is gone. Um, Matt Stafford both <laughs> made my heart, then broke my heart, and then made it all over again. But um, yeah, you can find me at, uh, what am I doing these days? Let's think. Um, well, I guess the easiest way to find me would be on Twitter. So at Mattisa15, just at M-A-T-I-S-S-A-15. Uh, I do a lot of writing for Basketball News, uh, 137 p.m. I have, a, I have a new article coming out for The Analyst next Monday. It'll be my first one for that website. Some oh, stuff coming awesome. out for – yeah, thank you, thank you. I have some stuff coming out for Forbes. And then, uh, of course, it always helps when you listen to my podcast series that came out this uh, – fall the quest for the best and that's how me and joe met one another yeah love the pod i thought it was like a really nice series so it won't conflict with cash that it's uh it's a nice long-term or like long-form piece uh documenting the best players in nba history i think i think we're on the same page with that but i'm not gonna no spoilers here we're just gonna send people over there uh so you can check that out it's on what apple and spotify and anything else or just those two yeah pretty much i think anything else i don't know if anyone uses anything else but it's there if you want it i feel like there's some people that use soundcloud which is just bananas but uh, like you know (laughs) there's always a couple uh but the reason i wanted to have matt on here is matt is not really a better but matt matt's a big basketball mind and he watches a lot of film he breaks down a lot of film and like something that i've always wondered is like i watch some film like i watch like some of the games that you can watch on you know nba like the nba tv app like you can watch like the the replay like the day later or something like that but i know you watch some like old shit so like where where do you even find stuff like this like where are you finding these games like tweeting about the spurs from 10 years ago yeah um YouTube, a lot of YouTube. I've been, they're really helpful. I know there's a website okay. that, uh, that Ben Taylor, he buys like, like, I think he actually buys like the DVDs, like he'll order them, you know, like play them, but he's like an actual like psycho with that. But yeah, a lot of YouTube, YouTube's like, it's really, it's got pretty much like every playoff game that you could think of from like 1975 until today. So that's a good resource. It's better than VHS, so well. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, the re- one of the things that I was thinking about is, you know, like you watch a lot of film, like you break down 
whether it's game tape or, or anything like that, you know, like, do you feel like it's, since you started doing that, does it change the way that you watch every, you know, every game or like a live game or so? Yeah, no, it's like, it's like, I mean, I joke that it's kind of like ruined my life because I can't, I can't enjoy the things that like other people enjoy. Like, for example, I used to love like someone like Jamal Crawford going into his crossover, breaking you down, hitting like a 18 foot mid range jumper with two guys guarding him. I thought that was the coolest thing, you know, back in the days, but now I'm I'm like, like you just chucking up shots, man. Let me go check it. Your uh, relative true shooting. Let me check the, the, the team's offensive rating when you're on the floor. Let me look at all this stuff. Like this isn't right. But then at the same time, I get excited about like silly things. Like when people are talking on defense or when somebody rotates properly. So it's cool because I pick up on like the things that in my opinion, like help teams win. But at the same time, I can't, I can't enjoy, like I won't lose my voice with basketball the way I do with football anymore because of just how I watch it. Yeah. It's cause like you understand the game a little bit better. You're like, Oh, that was a great rotation or like in, in, in your, and it's like, that explains why the play was so good more so mm-hmm. than like somebody just yamming it over somebody else, unless it's, you know, like Anthony Edwards doing it, then it's, then it's just ridiculous, but that's always going to be cool. No yeah. matter how much you watch, it doesn't matter at all. Um, when you realize he's younger than you, you know, like, yeah. okay. Oh dude, I I've been going through this. I just turned 30 and I'm just like, wow. I could, there's never been a point in my life where I could do any of this, um, let alone dribble with my left hand. So let's, we won't even talk about that. Uh, but you know, I think one of the things that I think is so interesting about the work that you do is correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it would, it's really like conducive for projections and like looking at, you know, who is going to be that dude? Like who is the next person coming up here? Um, then like, I, I know that you've just got, you've written a couple pieces. You got one about Cade Cunningham and it looks like you got another one about DeJounte Murray. Um, so I'm not sure which one you want to talk about first, but I feel like those are two names that, you know, they're, they're two younger stars in the league or younger players in the league. Uh, and they're, you know, they're on the rise. Like Cade started a little slower, but I feel like both of these guys are, uh, you know, going to be really good uh, for years to come. Yeah. Um, Cade's cool. Cause so I learned one, one of the things that's kind of been ruined for me is there's the killer thing is, you know, something we do to make the game more fun. Like there's, you know, we're all human beings, like players feel pressure like the rest of us. There's no one player that in every clutch situation, they find a way to get it done. And even if there is like, for example, I always do like the Damian Lillard thing, like Damian Lillard's really clutch, but like, what good does it do for you? You know what I mean? Cause this team yeah. is always like mediocre anyways. And the reason they're playing in a lot of close games and he gets to show himself in those clutch opportunities is because his team is not like good enough to blow teams out. The best teams always win by large margins. Yeah. And if you're a gambler, I'm sure you'd like it. If your team's not constantly making you look at the spread, like, Oh my God, they're so close. I'm sure you prefer like if this thing's over in the first half, I can yeah, just sit back and relax. 100%. But, um, with Cade, the reason I say all that is because like he's if you watch him, I don't know how much Pistons you've watched here, but he enough. He never, yeah, he never. I know that it, this is like bad because uh, he just recently got ejected for showing some emotion, but that is so rare. He's so even killed. He he doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low, and I love that. That's like something that I know it's like anecdotal and it has nothing to do with his numbers or his impact, but for like a leadership standpoint and like a guy who's going to, you know, he's going to be under the microscope soon. Like the, our love for him and our infatuation for him is going to wear off and he's going to start like getting the Luka Doncic treatment, you know, 
whoever you want to name that's a superstar that gets criticized. But um, his ability to kind of handle that and just stay even killed, that's anecdotally something I look at like, okay, that's different. You don't see that a lot. I don't see that around the NBA. I mean, look at LeBron James. He's super animated when like something goes wrong or when something goes really good. You know what I mean? And he's, he's, you know, one of the greatest players that ever lived. Hint, hint. Gotta got to catch that full analysis later, but no, I, I get what you're saying. And I think that one of the things that was interesting was before this year's draft, some people were saying that they would rather have Kate Cunningham over LaMelo ball, which I think is, you know, I would, that's obviously like a hot take just because LaMelo, you know, he showed out in the way that he did and as a rookie. But I think that there's a lot of things that Kate does that are, that's different than LaMelo. Um, and I, I don't know how crazy of a take that really is. I mean, he's, he's, I think he's coming into his own and like the Pistons are not surrounding him with the talent that the Hornets have. Um, so I don't know if you have any feelings in that, like about that, but I think it's a hot take a little bit. No, I, I, I agree with you on the, I would, I think if I was like a GM, I'd prefer Kate over Lamella right now, not by like a large margin, but I've written about both this year and I've studied both pretty critically. And one thing that stands out to me, I think stylistically and this is like, it's good in some ways for LaMelo. It's bad in some ways, but like LaMelo does have like a flair for like, you know, grandeur. Big baller brand, baby. Yeah, no, he is. <laughs> and he, sometimes he'll, he'll choose like, for example, in transition, I see this a lot. He'll look for like a flashier pass, like maybe a behind the back corner three or a lob as opposed to like the simple pass. That's probably the most efficient one. Yeah. Where, whereas with Cade, I, Again, this is anecdotally. I don't have a stat that says like percentage of right plays made for every possession he's ever had. But like when I watch it, it's usually like Cade's looking for the right play before the fun one or the one that'll get the crowd going. Yeah. And like that's it's just that little difference, I think, in their playmaking philosophy that would give Cade the edge for me. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And like I think he's come around as a shooter a little bit more. But like with that being said, like, do you think that you know, Kate could really win rookie of the year. Probably not the way Mobley has been playing. Right. Yeah. And I, I have a thing with Mobley, man. I don't mean to sound like a dirt, but like, I don't think he's going to win it. I think, but I don't think he deserves it. And I think that people are like a little too high on him. I think he's awesome, but no, he is awesome. He's don't get me wrong. He's awesome for like a 19 year old, like 19 year olds are not supposed to be that good. No, but people are saying he's like a borderline all-star or this year. Deserves- yeah, people said that, or he's like, he deserves talk for all defensive team. And yeah. if you watch, if you're really watching the Cleveland Cavaliers, it's Jared, Jared Allen. Yeah. Jared Allen cleans up a lot. Dude, of he's a monster. I yeah. love Jared Allen. I think he should be in the All Star team. Uh, personally, no, I think he should. I think he should. I think he should maybe he should. be the the third center for the All NBA team. Yeah, like I in my initial ballot, like I did a pod with. Uh, action for with Brandon Anderson. And I was like very close to putting uh, Jared Allen over Joel Embiid as a starter in the East. But then like, obviously Embiid has been like on an absolute tear. So I I couldn't do that, but I wanted to. Um, No, I mean, Allen's like, cause okay. Mobley's biggest strengths, I think on the biggest weaknesses on defense, excuse me, are he's not that strong yet. Yeah. Allen's like really sturdy. Yeah. with like the bigger guys so that like takes the pressure off Mobley and then I think Mobley's like a slow jumper compared to other all-time great centers if you watch him he needs to bend his knees a little bit more than other um great shop walkers and Allen just he cleans up a lot of those mistakes and again this is nitpicky because like 
what Mobley's doing is incredible for his age, but I think people are like, I tweeted this like right before our podcast. I still think like to me, Cade between the two of them has the higher ceiling. It's not by much. I'm saying like Cade, because I know you wanted to talk about like future MVP winners. I don't think either of them will ever win an MVP, but I'd say Cade's like, I could see Cade being one of the seven best players in the world. While I see Mobley like being one of the, 10 or 15 you know what i mean got it yeah because i mean like this i think this class was like sneaky good um you've got you know you've obviously got the two of them you have uh you have like scotty barnes franz wagner like it's a pretty deep class and i think that uh a lot of people like didn't like don't see that or they don't really recognize that so like i don't know if you have a feeling on who like obviously Cade and mobley have been tearing it up but do you have any like thoughts on like who you think could be like the dark horse guy out of this class. Yeah, and I just want to say like, you're saying sneaky good. Like, I think this has a chance to be one of the, and I, oh, this is a hot take, but I would say like one of the five best draft classes ever, like so far that we've had. Mm-hmm. Cause like I said, Cade, Mobley, um, Giddy, Barnes, Wagner. Awesome. I think all, all five of those guys honestly could have at least like when their careers are done, one all NBA team on their, on their, uh, on their resume. And that's, I don't know what the precedent is on that. I don't know how many draft classes you could say that about, but just those five guys. And then you have like Jalen green, who's still the number two pick of the draft and is so fast. I don't know how much Jalen green you've watched, but he's like, don't yeah. blink man. Cause he will, he will be right at the rim when you do. Dude, that uh, rocket um, team just runs. That's all they do is run. They don't really make shots. They run, but like, that's no, they don't make shots. They don't make shots. They don't control the ball. Well, I, I no. watched a lot of rockets a couple of weeks ago for something I was doing with uh Mark Schindler, but uh, yeah, they don't make a lot of shots. They don't make very many good decisions, but uh, they're young. That's why it's okay. Um, yeah. It's expected. Yeah. Jalen green though. I, I love him. Dominguez has been getting a lot of buzz lately with Draymond hurt. I hear a lot of good things about him. I haven't watched him enough, but he's awesome. So from what I hear, uh, Davion Mitchell has been a good defender. Austin Reeves has been a good defender. Io Desume. Oh, dude. He's making money on Io. They talked about him on SportsCenter today, and I was like, the party's absolutely over. <laughs> yeah, now the book's out. Everyone knows now that yeah. this guy's, like, good. I mean, like, just look at the, the Bulls have not fallen apart despite Lonzo and Caruso basically being out yeah. for the last two I mean, months or whatever it is. Io's averaging like 16 potential assists a game. So, I mean, I still think there's some value on his, on like his prop markets, as long as, you know, DeRozan and or Levine, like if they're staggered, I think it, it opens up some value there, but um, I'm curious to see how he plays with both of them, you know, active. Cause I'd imagine the next game we'll see Levine, DeRozan and Io playing at the same time. Um, But I think it's a tough spot. No, (laughs) I'm sorry. I was going to say, because I got too excited because you, you really, you like just popped something in my head. But, um, so I, I watched a little bit of bulls, a lot of bit of bulls, excuse me, like a month ago, the start of the year. I haven't watched as much since, but um, one thing I noticed like about IO and you, you threw it right there with the passing. He's like a surprisingly good passer. Usually like that type of player, like athletic kind of guy you throw at whoever to guard them. Isn't like a solid passer, but he's a good passer. Yeah. And so Levine needs like, a running mate in transition, like per se, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Lonzo was that guy for him this season, but now he's not there. And DeRozan's DeRozan doesn't like to get out and run. He's slow, 
old no. school. He wants to take like a long mid-range shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think Io could fill that void if you're talking about prop bets, trying to work the gambling thing in. And again, guy who doesn't gamble, please don't take my advice. But uh, if you're <laughs> we, thinking we about that. prop bets, we can back that yeah, bet. Thinking, <laughs> that's a good bet. If we're thinking uh, about prop bets, uh, his passing would definitely be one that's like. I think they might underrate because of the arc type of player, but I think he could he could rack up some assists in that yeah, role. Yeah, I mean to give you some perspective, like uh, and you know some of the listeners, because if you've been following me in the action app, this is a bet that I've been like firing off every day. They had set his assist line at three and a half, and then it's crept up to like four and a half and five and a half, and he's just cruising over these. Um, like there was a point where you could get eight plus, and it was I think it was like eight to one for him to get that when, when his potential assists were like off the chart. So I think that there's, there's different tools you can use. Like, obviously like you need somebody to make it on the other end, but the bulls are good. Like those guys are making those shots. It's not like the Pistons with Cade and they're just like, they suck. Like they, they're, they're not making the shots. So it's a little bit of a different situation there uh, looking at, you know, potential assists. Um, but that kind of brings me to another thing that I wanted to touch on before we touch on DeJounte is when you're doing your research and your writing, like, obviously you're watching film, but do you, are there any like particular websites or tools that you like to use? Cause I, I know like I personally use a lot of cleaning the glass. I use dunks and threes, um, which has like really good adjusted metrics for like, that includes strength of schedule. And like, obviously I use our tools at action, but I, I don't know if there's anything that you uh, that you like to look at or like to use in particular when you're trying to break down some of this stuff. Um, because I know like obviously NBA.com has some really good stuff with their, uh, you know, I think they're powered by synergy, but I didn't know if there was anything that you might've used. that's a little bit different or unconventional that, you know, for writing purposes is great, but also it, I think it could help us as betters too. Yeah. So I, I'm glad you asked that because I have like the process. So I don't, I cover like the league at large and that means I don't cover like one specific beat. So when I'm going into a new project, I usually have like a small sample size. So what I do is like, so if I'm studying, like we'll talk about Shante Murray cause I just wrote about him, but I have like a whole routine of websites when I start where I go through and I look at some, some stats that I've learned to trust from each website that just kind of give me like an idea of what I'm about to watch. So I, I can like, uh, enhance my experience i guess but i go on backpicks.com which is uh ben taylor's database um the thinking basketball guy for you guys uh at home then i go on cleaning glass which we just talked about i do use nba.com dunks and threes uh 538 has some pretty good metrics yeah the analyst the analyst has good public metrics and then there are private metrics that i have access to because my writing with them uh those sometimes but the public stuff they have is pretty good yeah, there's one. Oh, uh, Beeble Index is really good. Oh, yeah. I think it's really underrated. Um, That's a good one too. Yeah, I, I actually, you know what I use a lot? It's weird. Basketball but I Reference. Use, I use Basketball Reference a lot. I use StatMuse like an uncomfortable amount because uh, you can put in like the weirdest queries. Like today, I did um, Tyrese Halliburton with and without De'Aaron Fox this season since December first. Like, and, and it like populates everything that you need. So they're like actually like sneaky, like they're like, they're really good as long as you can really fine tune what you're trying to figure out, but you have to be like ultra, ultra specific. Um, but I think that those are some good tools that you're using. Uh, and, and like, I don't know, like what kind of information are you really looking to gather from 
Like I don't really use backpicks and I don't use 538 that much. I know, I know I've heard of them, but what information are you really trying to pull from there? Well, for me, backpicks has like the best historical stuff. His okay. database goes back from 1955. So, you know, I'm like a loser who like watches stuff from then, but what well, he has like really good playmaking. So he has the passer rating that, which is basically like a one to 10, uh, a ranking of a player's passer rating. So 10 being the highest one being low the box creation, which another playing set like estimates open shots you create for your teammates per 100 possessions. That's um, awesome. Yeah. He has his, yeah, he has his own minus model. So that's different than the basketball reference one. And I think his is a little better than the basketball reference one, but um, real quick thing. I, before I forget with this stat news thing, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've heard like a lot of people on Twitter saying that some of the stuff, like some of their stats are just wrong. Like they didn't track it correctly. I, I think it's possible, but I think it depends. Like, I think that it's really just the person like putting the question in wrong a lot of times. Like I'm not trying to defend them either, uh, but I have noticed if you don't word it like exactly right, it'll be wrong. Um, like I, I've tried to, I've tried to ask for something about, uh, like James Harden, like stuff with the nets and like the numbers got a little wonky, but I think that's, that's kind of where it can get a little difficult. I think. Yeah. No, I don't know. I heard that they, they got like, uh, I guess like, I think uh, you'd be careful. Like canceled. They got like canceled on NBA Twitter. Uh, <laughs> one time. I forget what they called it. Recently that tweet, they, they tweeted just like, they were just asking for it saying like, yo, cause she's clearly better than Embiid when, I mean, he probably is a little better than me, but yeah, not I'm, by I'm much, you know? Yeah, I'm a Jokic stand in that regard, but... But you know what I'm talking about, right? The one where they're like, oh, he's, he's got a higher points per game, rebounds like, per game, like all these silly sets that, like, he's like, um, yeah. Yeah. More antiquated stuff. Yeah, I, I don't... I try not to use it, uh, gener- like, for too much stuff, but I, I'll use it for, like, very specific prop stuff. Because another website that I use, which it wouldn't really be relevant for you as much, but I use props.cash and they're just like, you can filter data by, you know, like what the current prop line is and like filters different players in and out, but that's more of like short-term basis rather than you're looking at stuff long-term and and you're not betting on it. (laughs) So it's a little bit different. Um, But I I guess my question for you is like with, with some of this stuff, like I I would, I would think that you'd be a good futures better. Um, But uh, but I know that you don't you don't really dabble in those markets. <laughs> okay, so I've been thinking about this a lot, and so I do have some decent advice recently that's been on my head for like people. You do the over and unders for teams beginning of the year. You, yeah. you bet on them. Yeah. So, like for example, um, the Bulls. It's it's going to sound like hindsight, but uh, we probably could have predicted the Bulls rise. If you think about it, because offensively, you know what Zach Levine is. We know DeMar Rosen is. You know what Mikula Vucevic is. Like three very capable offensive players. So we knew they were going to be a good offensive team. They have been. Defensively, people have to understand, like, don't look too much into the personnel. Look at the coach's track record. So it's harder if it's an unproven coach. But if you look at Billy Donovan's track record, his worst defensive season since being an NBA coach is 12th in defensive rating. And it, so, I mean, you can like make an educated guess. He's a pretty solid sample size. I would say this is like the sixth or seventh year as a coach. So if in those five, six seasons, he's never finished lower than 12, there's a good chance they'd probably have somewhere like at least a above average defense. And if you have an above average defense and a, a really good offense, that usually means you're going to win like 50 games. 
I know what was do you remember the over and under on uh, the Bulls? I think they were like I think they might have been like 48 and a half or 49 and a half or something like that. It, it was high, but it, but I think you're right. Like that, those are all like good points because I think that it's like with a season long bet, cause I, I like futures too. And like, I have this theory where I like to build futures portfolios and mm-hmm. with the way the sports books give you free bets, I try to just spread them around. So like at the end of the season, I have like a million free bets on like random stuff. Um, but it, like, and it kind of covers your bases. So like you can just kind of root like risk-free almost. But I do think that, you know, I, I think futures are a great market, but even though like you're kind of laying money for a long time. So that's the only problem with the win totals, I think. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Um, it's like, I guess it's like stocks in a way. Yeah. But, um, so the point I guess all that rambling is for that stuff, like the advice I have for you is offense, pay attention to personnel, defense, pay attention to coaching, like combine those two. Cause like at the end of the day, like basketball is how good your offense is, how good your defense is. So if you have like, you're not going to have like a, a bottom five defense and a bottom five offense and be like a top 10 team in the league. So if you play it like that, I feel like you could do pretty decently on something like that with, uh, the over-unders for win totals. Yeah. I, I like that narrative. I think, I think also when you're looking at that type of situation, like when you're looking at personnel, you're looking at coaching, you're looking at defense uh, you can look at like the shots that a team allows or like the defensive strategy that they use. Mm-hmm. And like, that's something that we can look at, you know, maybe a little bit closer to the postseason. Uh, and talk about some of the matchups. Like once we know what the field is, I think that there's some good opportunity. Like right when the po- like right when the playoffs start, and you can start betting on you know who is going to win the East or the West or the title. I think it gives you a good opportunity um, when you have like a good like big brain look at it. Uh, because like I know that when um, we're looking at like it was a couple of years ago, but Milwaukee, like when they played the Miami heat and the heat beat them in the bubble, a lot of us were on it because like, we knew that the style of defense that they played and, you know, like the way that the heat matched up with them. And then last year, it was the exact opposite. We were like, the Bucks are going to fucking steamroll them because they learned, like they basically learned their lesson from the last time. So I, I think that this is good. Uh, this is good advice. And it's like, you have to really look at it big brain wise and say like, Oh, this is, this is how it's going to go. Or this is how we think about it. Um, yeah. I think it'd be great to be able to talk about this again, you know, closer to the, the closer to the playoffs and even like before the season starts again next year. Yeah, I mean, we'd have to do it um, with the record button off because do mess up on some of these uh, people coming after me. But no, <laughs> I, I like that. I like uh, I like that you um, see. I think people's problem is like they they think okay, I'm a, I'm a gambling person, so I don't need to pay attention to analytics, or like I'm an analytics person, so I don't need to pay attention to the gambling thing. But the thing is, it's all it's like an intersectionality. And I love how you use like the resources. We have more data on our hands than ever. And honestly, like playoff, like uh, upsets, quote unquote, shouldn't be a surprise to like the educated public that are like looking at matchups, looking at what makes a team. Like, for example, like people thought, I think the easiest thing to predict from last year's playoffs, the Hawks were going to clobber the Knicks. Like if you'd watched it was basketball. Exactly. But yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm looking at your hat. I just realized I probably shouldn't have brought that <laughs> up, but like, I feel like that was like a pretty easy, even if the Knicks were the fourth seed, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me, man. If you think the Knicks are going to win the series, like, no, like it was, that was brutal. Like, I mean, you just knew that the Knicks, like the way the 
Tibbs like plays them in the regular season, like that's their max, like they max out. And that's kind of what happened again in the playoffs. That's like a problem with Tibbs coach teams. You know, they just, that's what they do in the playoffs. They like lose in the first round because they're basically at their ultimate potential at game, like 63 in the regular season when all the starters are playing 40 minutes. So, but I, I think that that's a good thing to, to notice. And, you know, I think it's that harmony. So that's why I was like, I think you, that's why I felt like you'd be a good, that's why I felt like you'd be a good futures better. And my dog just will not shut up. <laughs> it's a cute dog. It's a cute dog. For those I know listening. she is, she is a five month old Corgi black lab mix. So we've seen her on the Twitter machine, but she just is not gonna, she's not gonna stop right now. So <laughs> there's that. But uh, but Matt, look, I, we'll we'll have to we'll have to reconvene on your Dejounte Murray uh, talk because I think that we're we're running out of time here. But I do want to refer people to this piece. Matt uh, Matt wrote a new piece for Basketball News about Dejounte Murray and why he should get his first All Star nod. It's a great piece. I would definitely check it out. Dejounte has made us plenty of money in the rebounds and assists market and in the triple double market. And it's just, he's basically like an auto bet at this point. So I, I think he's got a, he's, a, he's an auto bet for us. He's an all-star for betters and he should really be an all-star in the NBA as well. So, uh, but Matt, it was a pleasure having you on here and uh, we'll have to get you back on again, but uh, you know, get hit up Matt. He's on Twitter at M A T I S S A 15. Uh, and, you know, thanks for, thanks for coming, Matt. Thanks for joining us here. Yeah, no, thanks, Joe. Thanks for the conversation beforehand. I know the viewers didn't get to uh, get to enjoy our our intellectual discussion on uh, getting drunk in law school, but uh, <laughs> it was it was really good to be on, and I had a lot of fun. I hope to come back soon. Awesome, thanks, Matt. We're really happy to have you here. All right, so we're back. Thank you again, Matt, for coming on. And we've got we've got to talk about these picks. I'm going to keep it quick because this is a little bit of a longer pod here. But we're going to start off with the Bucks minus two against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Look, the Cavs have actually been better in terms of adjusted net rating. They have a plus five adjusted net rating. That's fourth best on the season. But the Milwaukee Bucks are in seventh at plus two point seven. The thing is, the Bucks like really haven't been healthy for the majority of the season. And in this matchup, they should be able Giannis Antetokounmpo is listed as probable. He should be returning. And that means that they're going to have their big three of Drew Holiday, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and uh, Chris Middleton. Whereas the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, they... They're kind of they're kind of banged up a little bit, and I'm not sure if Jared Allen's going to play. He's listed as questionable right now, but the problem with this is that I don't know if Evan Mobley is like really ready to deal with the monster that is Giannis. And the other thing is like if you really look at this, Jared Allen, he's a plus two on off for the whole season. Uh, but his really what the big deal for him is that he's been great on the defensive side of the ball. 
Um, the majority of his impact is on defense. He's a minus 2.3, which is good. That means the opponents are scoring 2.3 fewer points uh, against the Cleveland Cavaliers when he's playing the game. He's a little bit stronger. You heard Matt talk about, uh, about Jared Allen's value to this team and how, you know, Mobley, he's not, he's just not as strong that like yet. Uh, and I don't think that the Cavs are really going to be able to deal with the Bucks in this matchup, especially considering the fact that, Budenholzer is a freak. The, the Bucks just seem to steamroll these teams when they play them in the Eastern Conference. And I like Milwaukee in this spot. Uh, they've been a little bit hotter of late. They've been dealing with some of these teams. They've been dealing with some of these injuries. And I just think that this is a spot where this line is a little short. I could see this going up to four, four and a half, maybe even five, especially if Allen is ruled out. Uh, I would take it at four, um, maybe even the four and a half. But I, 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 you know, once you start getting into the fives, like, it, you know, it, we're get, we're losing some value there. But if you can grab the minus two, I had already loaded this one in the action app. I think that's a spot that you can really capitalize on. The other thing is too, if like if we look at this, the Cavs are actually six and one over the past two weeks. But if we look at it, but the Bu- Milwaukee Bucks are four and two, and they have a better point differential over this spread, this time frame. They they have a plus five point one. The Cavs are plus three point two, and the Bucks have actually been poor against the spread, whereas the Cavaliers have been a bit better. So I think this is a little bit of a buy low spot on Milwaukee, and I'll back their big three at minus two. Now for the next game, we're looking at the Memphis Grizzlies. They are on the road against San Antonio, the Spurs are playing as like, like yesterday, the Spurs are recording yesterday or playing yesterday. They played on Tuesday night. Uh, you know, it's, it's a back-to-back set. That's a tough spot. And if we look at this, the Grizzlies, John Morant's expected to play. He was listed as questionable with some personal stuff. And Desmond Bain has cleared health and safety protocols. We don't know for sure if he's going to play, but I do like this matchup for the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are the sixth best team in adjusted net rating at plus 3.2, whereas the Spurs are in 19th at minus 0.5. And they've struggled on both the offensive and defensive sides of the ball, which is the opposite of the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are top 10 in both. So I like this spot. I would take this to three, maybe three and a half. And, but if you can get that two and a half, there's obviously more value there. So we'll leave it at that. It's the Bucks minus two and the Grizzlies minus two and a half. Uh, Go lock in those lines ASAP. Uh, You know, we we don't want to lose any value there. And for my recommendation, because we obviously got to do a quick pods and recs here, is I would recommend. You know, like those cups that like the Quartzkill cups or like the Yeti cups, I would recommend one of those. It's just a wonderful experience getting to have your whatever beverage that you choose just be cold the whole time. So I've been, you know, I've been on a Coke Zero kick. I love it. And this, you know, the the, the, the steel cup or the metal cup, whatever they do with it, the vacuum sealed. The thing is just the thing is ice cold at all times. The ice lasts an exponentially longer time. And then it doesn't dilute whatever you're drinking. So uh, that's my recommendation for the day. And with that, thank you for joining us for this latest edition of Cash That. And let's cash those bets. Uh, NBA Live. Yeah. 2003. Hot Carl MC. Yo. EA Sports. It's like, wow. 
Yeah. I'm about to dance with this one. It's like a slam to the face. Tell me, how's the 360 taste? Now you're just another poster, your mother's disgrace. You're about to get laced when you go against my team. Lose your self-esteem when I throw another scream. When I throw another dream, it's gonna fall, of course. I'm wearing the goggles the Kurt Rambis used to sport. You coming up short like Spud Webb gets to walking. I pull a Mutumbo and let my finger do the talking. It's NBA, you cats know how to spell it. Been down with EA Sports since Lakers versus Celtics. But this new game, Hot Crawl takes out the trash. I'm Michael Bibby with a little dash of Steve Nash. I'm quick to dribble pass, I'm quick to bounce pass, and quick to take the lane if I see an open path, and I'm quick to do the math, either way you getting dissed, you might not see the fist, but you definitely hearing this, it's wow, 2003 NBA, EA, Hot Carl MC, we wow, I'm a coasty coachy, layup's not an option, rebound closely, wow, you see that jersey cat, yeah. never double zero, with that hero of rap, and wow, so y'all should be ashamed, cause if it's in the game, then it's in the game. Why you talking trash, kid? That's no way to start. I got a shot like Pedrag and a mouth like John Stark. Huh. Tell you apart, so you gotta play with heart. I'm an apparent all-star from the three-pointer mark. An apparent first-teamer on the defensive squad. I'm the white Ben Wallace without a yoked-up bod. Oh, God. Why do you insist you got skills? You insist you rock rims. You insist that you for real. It's official. I'm top five. You not starting. When I crash boards and throw like Kenyon Martin. I love this game, so you better clear the zone. My crossover's dope. Leave your ankles at home. So, follow the leader, I'm down to spit heaters Pass the rock to Snoop and then wave the cheerleader huh. Hot curl, press start and I'm set Whether banking off the glass or it falls all net It's still Wow! 2003 NBA, EA, Hot curl, MC, we Wow! I'm a coasty coachy, layup's not an option Rebound closely Wow! You see that jersey cat, yeah. never double zero With that hero of rap, that's Wow! Should be ashamed, cause if it's in the game, then it's in the game. Uh, hot Carl MC NBA Live 2003. <laughs> what up, 3H? What up, Schnur? It's like, wow! <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, wow! <laughs> we about to kill it now. Why don't you press start? <laughs>